You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. All right, welcome to the Fraternities Live Community Call. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm joined by my co-host, Philip, and several members of our community. Good morning, gentlemen. Welcome to the call. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so again, the purpose of this call is for us to discuss skills and mindset around our six uncommon pillars. The group of men who've been a part of our community have been in our beta group, and I'm excited to announce that we're planning to open up application for the fraternity to the public at some point in May. So if you're a man listening to this or a woman who knows a man, benefit from this community, stay tuned when the application opens. We'll be excited to to welcome some new guys into these calls and into this community. Uh, this month, we've been working through our pillar of worthwhile work. Last week, we talked about how to avoid burnout through rhythms of rest. On uh, a quick announcement, the winner of this month's challenge will be treated to lunch by Phil and yours truly, as well as receiving a secret prize. So be sure to complete the challenges to earn your points. Currently, I believe Tom is in first with a Three-point lead over Matt in second, but it's still early. Anybody's anybody's ball game, so yeah, keep at it. Um, before we get into today's topic of being a, a leader in your workplace, wanted to start how we've been starting. Uh, give you guys a chance to share any wins or conundrums from this past week. So, what do you guys got? Uh, one win. I'll talk. I can't really talk too much because I have a house full of sleeping people, but. Uh, uh, my son and I went on a 13th birthday scuba diving trip and uh, he did awesome. It was fun to watch my son underwater, kind of like a surreal experience actually, where you can see your son doing things that you like to do, but never thought they'd be old enough to do it. Hmm. And he was doing it. We saw stingrays, which was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, then we got to see this Jesus underwater. They like sunk the statue of Jesus, which was awesome. And so that was a huge win. And then my conundrum is just work, just super stressed out of work. So I'm not working for the rest of our spring break, <laughs> but definitely had some intentional time with my son, which was what the reason why I wanted to go on the trip anyway. So that is where we're at. Yeah, that is a that is an awesome win, even in the storm of kind of what is going on at work i was going to ask so this was beckham that you took like what what was like his high level kind of reflection or what did he share like he loved most about that experience i think um well for him it was just being able to do something new he really enjoyed that seeing the stingrays was awesome um but man he was just like a fish in water it was fun to see um so i would say for him that was definitely the the win Uh, for me it was watching my son when we first jumped in uh and it's just uncomfortable you have a lot of weight if you've ever scooped over you understand just heavy 
So my son's 13. He has probably 40 or 50 pounds of stuff on his back. We get on the edge of the boat and he jumps off and the waves are crazy. The wind's picking up, the current's crazy. And like, it was fun to watch my son like process through, like calm down, go underwater. You'll, you'll be able to breathe, but it's, it was huge win for me to see him work through that and then get underwater and see him like get into his element and really enjoy it. Cause at first it was like really choppy and kind of scary, but I think that was my win. Yeah. Very cool. I know you're not wanting to do too much talking cause you're not wanting to wake anybody up, but I was just going to ask, uh, what would be kind of your specific prayer requests in regards to, to work, just how we can be lifting you up in that. Yeah. I think just, uh, just reaching out to people. That's what I'm doing today. It's calling people. Yeah. So trying to get through everybody. As soon as I can do that, I feel like I can have a little bit more of a spring break slash vacation. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Just praying for God to bless those conversations and people's, your people's responses. And yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Mind. Yeah. Tom or Chris, any any wins or conundrums from past week or so? Um, I would say it's kind of like a I don't know. It's been a good week. Uh, my wife was really stressed out about um, spring break. The at North Polk they had a half a day off last Thursday, and then all day Friday, and then then it was the weekend, then all this week. So it was like whatever that was, like 10 days. Um, being a stay-at-home mom, she was just getting kind of anxious and nervous about it. So I I took the, the three boys down to our family's farm in southeast Iowa this weekend and broke that up for her. And she and then had our daughter go with her mother-in-law. So she was just able to hang out at the house and rest and relax um, and just get rested up. She was just kind of at a real stressful breaking point. Um, and it was exactly what she needed. And then um, this week I surprised her with a trip to um, St. Louis with the kids. So we're driving down there tomorrow, trying to find some warmer weather, but it, it won't be that warm. But uh, I'm going to go do some some stuff with the kids and come back on Saturday night late. So. It's a, it'll just be a good uh, week for the family time and just getting together and helping her get through spring break. So, yeah, that's awesome. Good, good of you to perceive kind of her need in that situation and and be proactive there. And yeah, being able to take the boys. I was going to ask, like, how was your time with the boys down at the farm? Oh, it was good. Um, I was honestly a little nervous about it because my dad and mom have been down there for about a week with some friends of ours from Canada that came down to visit and my dad can get pretty temperamental and, and, and grumpy real quick and taking the three boys down there, just high energy. And I don't know. I just didn't want him to be like snapping at him and, and get all upset, but it was, it was a good weekend that we, we got out and it was a really heavy, wet snow and, um, just played around in the snow and yeah, it was, they had a, they had a lot of fun, made some homemade ice cream in a bag, uh, oh, yeah. tried to break it up with some activities too. So yeah, it was, it was a good time. They had fun. 
Awesome. Uh, isn't there like in St. Louis, isn't there like some, a sweet like kids museum or is that, I thought I've heard about Yeah, that. I think so. I just did a quick Google search and that's where we landed. So yeah, we're going to go to that. There's an aquarium. The it's called a, it's called a city, city museum. It's yeah. awesome. You got to do it. You awesome. might've been the one who told me about it, Phil. Yeah, I think I was. <laughs> it's like this union station aquarium too. I think we're going to go to, and then, uh, Tomorrow or Saturday, I'm not sure which day, we're going to go like an hour southwest of St. Louis, and there's some caverns um, that you can take tours through, and they light them up and stuff, so I think the kids will love that, so it should be fun. Yeah, it's those, I mean, for me anyways, it was those road trip, you know, vacations that I went on. It seemed like we always went out west to like Colorado, Wyoming. Arizona, which is great. But those are the things I look back on my childhood. And, you know, you don't remember the bickering in the car ride, which is inevitable, but just, just going to new places and seeing new things. Like that's, those are some of my fondest memories. So I'm excited for you guys to be able to do that. Yeah. Thanks. Good job, Chris. Yeah. Saturday we, um, we went to the mall and, you know, because we have cube, we didn't spend any money. <laughs> uh, that was kind of a win, you know. Like, I mean, we have a budget, but you know, when you when you have something in a budget and you don't really, and you see a sale or you see something that you like, and you don't really want to buy it. So, for me, that was a win. But for my wife, it was just nice for her to, you know, she was able to go into stores that she likes to go into and just kind of be on her own a little bit and I watched the kids while they, you know, played in the play place at the mall. And of course it was snowing seven inches. It's just, it was a crazy day, but it was a, it was a good day to just kind of get away. And, you know, that was one of the first Saturdays that my wife hasn't been working. And so it, it kind of put in, you know, you, we've been talking about rest. And so, just trying to figure out like maybe we should start, she should start taking more Saturdays off to, you know, to enjoy the rest with the family and to just, you know, just to be together. I think that it's kind of hard to do it during the weekdays or on Sunday. So yeah, good weekend. That's a, yeah, that's awesome. What does your wife do or what does she have to typically do on Saturdays for work? Uh, she's a pharmacist, so she's working pharmacy on Saturdays and okay. she's working on her own business during the week. So she's, you know, kind of doing both ends. And so it makes it, makes it, the pharmacy job is with, give, is bringing in money for the job that she's working on during the week is, you know, she's sustainable, it's covering its cost, but it's not like, you know, bringing in income yet. So mm-hmm. that's why she'd work in Saturday. Gotcha. Yeah, so just finding a, finding a balance there of doing her business during the week and then kind of focusing on that income generator in the weekend, but also wanting to have time to rest, same time with, as a family. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, good to be good to be mindful of those things for sure. Awesome. 
yeah, those are all good wins as well as uh, just things that you guys are thinking through and things that we can can be holding each other accountable. I'd say uh, one of my wins, I shared a post, but kind of kind of relates to rest, but also holistic health side of things is just my wife and I have been able to go to a yoga class uh, on Saturdays for the past, I think we've gone the past three straight weeks. And so Saturday was the day that we got all that snow. And I think there was part of us, you know, the class is at three. So it had already been coming down all day. And a part of us, you know, kind of was like, do we go? Do we, is it safer to stay in? Um, but you have to register for the class ahead of time. So I think even just like that small step, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, well, we already registered. Like, let's go. <laughs> and then uh, Victoria's mom is, is gracious enough to like watch our boys during that hour. They're typically taking naps. So, but yeah, we, we went to the class and it was like half as full as it ever is. Um, but so that even felt good because it's like, man, on a day where the easier choice would have been to just stay in and do nothing. Like we made the hard choice to come here and like, you know, we invest in our, our physical health, but it's also just like time that we have for each other. And I usually try to like crack jokes during the yoga, try to make her laugh. <laughs> um, and so, and then also it's like, it's, it's exercise and workout, but we both feel so rested after that. It's kind of strange. Um, it's kind of like taking, taking a cold shower, like in, <laughs> in the, in the midst of it is kind of uncomfortable, but afterwards you just feel so relaxed. So. Yeah, that was definitely it. That's been a win and I'm glad that we've been making that a priority. And then I was going to, I was going to circle back to Chris. You still keeping that, uh, cold shower streak alive? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I started, um, I started just going the full cold shower the two of the last three days. So it's, uh, it's a new experience, but it's been good. Nice. So not even like that warm up period where you just kind of ease into it. You're just going going straight in. Yep. Dude, that's a whole new level. <laughs> that's yeah. that's a sauna poppy level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's I've been doing cold showers. I'm not as consistent as you, but uh especially after a workout, I, I love doing them. And like I, I get it to the point where like the water's so cold that it, it does make me gasp and it just like takes flashback to uh embrace north just like <laughs> hopping in hopping in the tub. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well we'll uh transition into just our topic for this morning. So again, we're talking about just being a leader in our workplace and uh specifically just kind of being being a leader, but also like a leader in our faith, um, I think is what we want to focus on. And I was reading a devotional on this topic. It highlighted a passage from Luke 4 when Jesus is teaching at the temple and he quotes Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this devotional made the point. It was a devotional about work, and it made the point that this passage is a promise that all of society will be released from bondage to sin when it comes under the lordship of Jesus. So, and then it talked about our work and just that our work is a part of God's larger redemptive plan 
to create a better society and give people a taste of what his kingdom is like to live in the, quote, year of the Lord's favor. And in this way, we point others to Jesus through the work that we do and the way we work. So my question, my first question that I wanted us to reflect on and discuss is what are some practical ways that we can give people a taste of God's kingdom through our everyday work? What do you guys think? Yeah, I just think like just just the way that you're just being uncommon, like basically doing the exact opposite of what everybody else does makes it attractive when a lot of people are just doing the same thing over and over and over. But uh, being a servant, just encouraging other people, being graceful, being forgiving, all that thing that Jesus is for us, but then do that for other people. That's a it's very attractive to other people and it's different, right? Taking the high road when you want to take the, and do what everybody else is doing. But I think each one of those things points to Jesus in a, in a really interesting way that I think is attractive to other people. Yeah. I would say, um, holding people accountable in a different way of like, through like forgiveness, like, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of, instances in the day where you can get upset at somebody for doing you wrong in business or not not doing what they said they were going to do but just not not getting upset in those moments like a lot of people in business do and like you know lashing out and leading out of fear but leading out of forgiveness and like maybe offering help like hey I see you're struggling in this area. Can I help you? Like, is there something that we can do to help this go better next time? Um, and just offering, offering help rather than, you know, just, just getting upset about the situation intentionally, intentionally helping those people, intentionally pursuing a relationship with them rather than just having it be transactional. Yeah. I think for me, you know, just, uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a boss, so I um just like giving a lot of grace and understanding and encouragement. Um you know, I know in this group we kinda of talk about the five love languages, so you try and figure out, you know, what your employee or coworker would respond with and just try and work on that and just to try and uplift them and I've, I've noticed, you know, when you see other people in a workspace and they love their job, I mean, the job may not be enjoyable, but, you know, the community in the workspace, you know, people really love that and it really keeps them going. So, you know, it's kind of a challenge for me because I'm trying to create that and to keep that going and to try and, you know, lead in love and grace. Yeah, that's good, Tom. I think people tend to buy into a culture, especially when the leader is someone who leads out in that and is someone who's inspiring and won't ask the people that work for him or her to do anything that that they're not willing to do. So like you said, even if the work is not maybe the most glamorous or enjoyable, if the culture is strong and the leadership is there, I think it, that can galvanize people for sure. I think it'd be interesting just to talk through like what Jesus modeled for us, just 
how can we be more Christ-like in our workplace? But how did he model that? And I think we've kind of explained and touched on a lot of things, but I'd like to just take some time and just reflect on that and hear you guys' thoughts. My mind, so we've talked about on the show multiple times, just the chosen, but it's just such a good re- reference point. And the more episodes you watch, I think the more images come to mind. And when you asked that question, Phil, my mind just went to the moment where Jesus called Matthew, called him out of his tax booth uh, when he was with his disciples. And like Peter confronts him is like, what are you doing? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he's done? And he, he says something and then Jesus is like, start expecting like the unexpected or, or something to that effect um, or get used to like the unexpected or the uncommon, you might say. <laughs> but there was even a moment in, the, I think, an earlier episode, like the episode before that, where Matthew like saw Jesus after he healed the paralytic man. And they were in this back alley and Jesus was walking away and then he turned and he looked at Matthew. I'm like, this is it. This is when he's going to call him. And he, and he didn't. And I was kind of like bummed out. But looking back, it's like Jesus, I think to answer your question, Jesus like sees everyone. And I think a way that we can uh, be a leader and a light in our workplace is to just to see everyone and not, not allow ourselves to show favoritism to maybe our, our coworkers that we relate to more or clients that we, yeah, just have a stronger natural kind of, we gravitate towards them, but how do we see everyone and see them on an even playing field and not, not show favoritism. And, you know, like Jesus, he saw Matthew, a person who like everyone else despised, but he saw like the potential and he saw the, the giftings that God had given him and and the good qualities. And he was able to like pull that out of him. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, it also highlighted just the difference of personalities that the disciples had, which I thought was interesting. And they had like a common trait, right? Which like overtrumped all of them, but they had very different, unique skills and characteristics. And I just thought that was that's a good point. What other things? Yeah, my mind goes to like the chosen. It's watching that. I mean, from what I grew up. I don't know, you see Jesus with, like, extremely long hair, and he just looks so goody-two-shoe, and it's, I don't know, the, the Chosen, and, like, there are some other, you know, movies that just show Jesus, and it's just, like, it just shows the realness of who he is, and, like, he just, he he's so accepting and loving and caring of others, and, like, he embraces all of those disciples personalities and people who even come up to him so i look at that as just really embracing and not just being judgmental and you know having a or stereotyping people like just really embracing it and and working with that like that's it's been a not like a wake-up call but just like a realization oh yeah that's who jesus is like it says that in the bible you just you know what you paint a picture growing up versus sometimes when you see it or read about it, it's like, oh, okay, that's who Jesus mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. That's good. I also think like he was just a great leader, but he's also humble. Mm-hmm. 
which is neat to think through this. How do you lead well, but by humility, um, having courage, being a servant. Um, and this is interesting, just the complete reliance and submission to God. That was a note that Ryan wrote for the kind of this morning. And I thought that's such a really good practical thing of like, it wasn't in his own power, but it was complete reliance on God and submission to God's plan. And I thought that was really convicting for me. So good job, Ryan. That's basically Ryan's point. I just kind of took it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's even like a verse, I forget where it is, but it says that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, which that's just a powerful way of capturing his humanity that he learned obedience, but it was through the things that he suffered. And like, that's how we learn to obey Mm -hmm. through the things that we suffer as well. But, but yeah, I mean, going back to just the complete reliance and submission to God, I think, especially if you're like the boss, the temptation and granted, Mm -hmm. I've never been the boss. I've been in certain leadership positions, but I think the temptation can be like, I can't show weakness. Like I can't show, I can't second guess myself. Um, I've got to be on at all times um, or else the people, you know, that follow me are, are going to second guess me. And just the fact that like Jesus, you know, he would get up often and early while it was still dark, the Bible says, and he would go and pray um, in, in a secret place and just mm-hmm. su- seek and submit to God's will. And, and ultimately we we see that powerful example in the garden before um, he's he's captured and, and crucified. Like, you know, God, if there's any other way for you to, to <laughs> accomplish your mission, but not my will, but yours be done. And just that ultimate, mm-hmm. like, what are the, not to compare anything we go through <laughs> in our jobs to, you know, the crucifixion, <laughs> but just like, what are those, what are those crucibles that we go through? And uh, even Phil, mm-hmm. you talking about just a hard season of work, like, mm-hmm. the, there could be ways for you to just try to figure this out in your own wisdom and strength, but it's like, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Like mm-hmm. what is the mm-hmm. best way to to move forward um, in submission to your will? That'll preach. Yeah. <laughs> That'll preach. Chris, what's your thoughts before I got, I got someone else I want to talk to. Yeah, I would definitely say the perseverance through, sacrifice temptation um there are hard things that i have to go through at work to to get to the prize and i just feel like a lot of the example that jesus had for us was like delayed gratification of you know here's here's the struggles here's the temptations you're going to go through but the end goal is eternity with me and that and like my business is like, if I'm looking at it from that way, is like, here's, here's a signed contract. Here's a, and then here's a whole lot of crap that we're going to have to do. And it's going to be painful. It's going to be fun. There's going to be wins and losses along the way. Um, but at the end of the day, hopefully we, we have a, we have a great relationship with a customer and a successful, a successful project, but signing up for that, knowing that, the road is narrow to get to that. Like there's a lot of different ditches that I could fall into through that project process, but staying true to the, 
to the end goal of serving that customer and helping them be successful and helping their business be successful is, um, is really edifying. And, um, but yeah, just to see Jesus's model for that with us of the ultimate sacrifice of his life for, for our, um, well-being is, is, uh, is a great example to look at when I, when I think of just the little struggles that I have to do with just my daily walk in my own career. Here's the question that I have. What example, like give us an example of a time that you've seen servant leaders, leadership modeled in your workplace. Uh, it can be, whether it be a boss or a coworker, but something that you saw and you're like, wow, that's really, that's really cool. I worked for Hope Ministries uh, for a couple of years doing men's aftercare. So just working with men in recovery. Um, and I think going into that job, and I'd worked in ministry before, but I think going into that job, working in men's ministry, I kind of had this assumption that my fellow coworkers and I would, would always model Christ-likeness in our, in our work and, and be united in our collective mission. And I certainly was not perfect in that. Um, but in my second year there, you know, we had a coworker. He worked at a different location than me, but he was kind of known for having just a very abrasive personality. And granted, he did work on kind of the front line of getting guys into our program. So he was working with guys like straight out of prison, straight off the street. So a lot harder of a job than, than I had. So, you know, I'd hear things about him and, and give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but over time just saw like the pride and really kind of how he carried himself with like a my way or the highway type of mentality. And, and this was going on for years before I was even there. And I would, I would hear things from some of my other coworkers um, so over time, I did see kind of how he was like duplicitous, even try like looking back, I was like, oh, he was definitely like trying to manipulate me <laughs> in these situations. And I would say my, my boss is the one who demonstrated servant leadership. He showed this man grace, you know, for years, even in correcting him. I know that there were a couple of times where the guy had to take like a paid leave of absence for certain infractions. But really, like the toxicity, the toxicity like ended up really reaching a boiling point where it was really kind of like tearing at the fabric of our our team. Um, and like I would have meetings with my boss, and he would just like open up and and share about like how he was struggling with this individual. He wasn't like that coming to me asking me for advice, but it's just like you could just see like his heart was really heavy with this burden. So I know it broke his heart ultimately to have to fire him. Um, but it was for the best of everyone. And I go back kind of real quick to what you shared, Chris, um, earlier of like holding people accountable with, with grace and forgiveness. And like, he certainly did that, but I think we can all agree. Like there is like a breaking point where to continue to, there just like is a, a limit or a point where, the grace and the forgiveness has been given and it's being taken advantage of. And the next best decision is the hardest one. And it's just to make a clean separation because it's for the, the, in the best interest of your team, as well as like those that you're trying to serve. So that would be my example. Yeah. 
I have two examples. They're quick, so then you guys can talk, Chris. Can talk. But uh, my first one was Steve Chapman at ITA Group. And if anybody knows anything about Des Moines, they know Steve Chapman. But he just knew everybody's name. He was just so personable. Would do anything for you. He's a rock star. The, but I just loved how he led. He loved, like, authentically, but super, like, passionately. And he really cared about people. He would know your name. In fact, five years later, after I stopped working there, I was at Panera Bread and I saw him. And he's, he was in the middle of a conversation. He was talking. He stopped. He looked up. He's like, Philip Ramsey, how are you? <laughs> it's like unbelievable. <laughs> so uh, to your point earlier, Ryan, about knowing people. Anyway, uh, the other one was a card attendant at Target, actually. Um, I was not a believer at the time, uh, but I was a manager. Grew up in church. And uh, this guy was a card attendant. And uh, he was always just super nice, super joyful. He had a kid, I think, at the time married. And I was like, what in the world is a 30-year-old 30, 30 doing the card attendant? But he was always just such a servant. And then ended it up, uh, he, he asked me to church. He's like, hey, come to church. And because he was such a servant, I was like, all right. <laughs> and uh, that was when God kind of changed my heart, softened my heart. And uh, the rest is history. But um, I just feel like that's such a really powerful thing. Like, you don't even know where you're at with the servant. Being a servant leadership, being a servant can really impact people. So, yeah. And how easy would it have been for that guy to not engage with anybody? I mean, he's just moving right. carts from A to B. Like, you have to have an intentionality to make eye contact with a stranger and then strike up conversation. Uh, and, right. yeah. Just goes to show, like, how do we, uh, be perceptive to the opportunities to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Tom, Chris, you guys got any? We can I would on. say uh, here at Mid-States, the more that I thought about it, um, a guy that's sometime on this call, I think, Andrew Pistorius, mm-hmm. um, he's a great um, servant leader here at, at work, and especially with my interactions with him, like, He's the CFO, but like yesterday, we were having a conversation. Like the stuff that he's doing, like he just sees a he just sees an opportunity to lead and help in mm-hmm. something that is lacking. And a lot of times, that's that's on my plate, and he just steps in and helps um, mm-hmm. without without even hardly being asked sometimes, um, which has been really helpful. Um, as we're just building the team and my time gets more distracted and pulled away with helping Mm -hmm. others that we're hiring on and the onboarding process, just like the automated reporting systems and just stuff that he's been able to do has been really helpful and above and beyond his call of like his, his role Mm -hmm. as a CFO. So it's just been a really, uh, been a really good, um, compliment to our team just from the way he he leads in that right and it breeds a really cool environment right yeah yeah definitely and i think i know i struggled with this um that i've been pretty much self-employed but Mm. the the side job that i had is one particular guy that i worked with at mark he was my boss and you know, he, 
he was just a very gracious person, put a lot of value in me and um, just really showed who Jesus is. And I just really appreciated him and he's forever <clears throat> impacted my life. So um, that's one that I could think of right now. Mm. We've got time for probably one more question. So like what blessings might we experience if we choose to be servant leaders in our workplace? I think the Andrew Pastorius one is really good. It like breeds this culture that you want to keep helping each other. And there is something in me of like super joyful when you can serve others, serve somebody else. Like there's a joy that happens in me that is interesting that I don't think is talked about too much. But for me, it's um, trying to create an environment that people want to serve each other. So like at five o'clock, when you walk past that person at their desk or whatever, you can say, Hey, let me help you get out of here. What what can I do? You know, and the next time they can do that for you. It's kind of cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's one of our core values here is teamwork and quality, continuous improvement, just all these core values. And yeah, if we were to serve each other and yeah, build that, I think it's getting a part of the struggle in like America's, job culture is like people wanting to just pick themselves up by their bootstraps and conquer and create, you know, create themselves as being higher or more valuable than the others. But if we could servant, servant lead others and create this team of this, this team experience, this, this team culture where it's not about me, it's about us and, our collective mm-hmm. efforts as a group, um, yeah. then we'd be able to see each other's strengths and how they complement mm-hmm. our weaknesses versus their strengths is how they, how they, some people perceive them as threats mm-hmm. and try to mm-hmm. try to put those strengths out so that they don't become, you know, exposed in a way um, mm-hmm. in themselves. So I just think it's, yeah, it's just, just being selfless and accepting that that some people will be better and some people will be worse, but we're working as a team and trying to lead each other through those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it takes a pretty significant level of just security and who you are and your identity. And like for us, our identity in Christ, granted, I've, I've really never worked in like that, corporate atmosphere where it's like cutthroat and really competitive and everybody's trying to climb a ladder per se, but it just to be in like a situation like that or to be part of a team. And like you're saying, Chris, be willing to first like acknowledge your, know your strengths as well as your weaknesses, but then acknowledge the strengths in your teammates and try to elevate those that takes, you know, security and and confidence in who you are to not be threatened by that and to see the bigger picture of like, this is actually going to make all of us better. And there's a, I think it's Zig Ziglar or Jim Rohn who said like, you can have everything you want in this life. If you'll just help enough people get what they want. And like that servant leadership right there is like, and what does the Bible say? It's like esteem, like look not to your own needs, but esteem the needs of others, you know, around you over over your own needs so 
God's words, man. There's, there's truth. <laughs> it's all truth. <laughs> yeah. And, and ultimately think, too, yeah. like you just want to point people to Jesus, right? Like you right. have an opportunity just to share the gospel and what Jesus has done in your life. If you be able to win the respect of others by serving them, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Go back to that, that cart attendant. I mean, he, he, you could say maybe he earned the right to speak to you and invite you to church because he had, you had been seeing him consistently demonstrate joy and there was just something uncommon about him and right. you were willing to, to listen and then, mm-hmm. and then to actually respond to his, his invitation. It's good. Yeah. Um, as a, you know, as a business owner and boss, you know, I, you know, working with an employee, I don't like the atmosphere of, hey, I'm the boss, I'm up here, I'm too mm-hmm. good for this. Like, I hate that. And I, I've i experienced that, you know, in side gigs and stuff like that. And so I try to create, you know, like, you know, my job, they physically labor some job. And, you know, sometimes there are certain jobs that, you know, it looks better or it seems better, you know, like... You know, it seems easier. So, and, and sometimes I see some employees struggle and they think, oh, you're getting the easier job. And, you know, I catch that and I'm like, oh, well, I eat, you just go do that. I'll go do the hard stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really creates a, a boost of, you know, energy and like they actually feel like they're cared for and they, and it, it just changes the whole trajectory of the day and they just, it's almost like they, they want to work harder now because, you know, I, I'm not, I'm never too good to, you know, say, Hey, I don't do that job anymore. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, just trying to be at their level, like just trying to say, like, I'm never too good and too good for that job or too good to ever do that again. So I try to create that atmosphere of mm-hmm. work. Right. That's good, Tom. And then I think this week's challenge is just to reflect on the opportunities you have to be a servant leader in your workplace. Who is one person you can intentionally serve this week and what will you do to serve them uh, with Christ-like love? Um, so that's the challenge. Let's uh, pour into that. And then I think it's fun just to see people posting that. It's super encouraging to me. So, awesome. yep. Keep sharing your wins. Keep celebrating each other. That's what servant leaders do. Highlight just the ways that uh, others have been making a positive impact on you. And that's just going to keep spurring each other on. So, but also feel free to share just the, the hard things that you're working through because we want to be that support system and encouragement as well. For sure. Cool. That's all, that's all we have. Let's go make a good week out of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great call gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Yep. See you guys. Right. Thanks guys. Right. Have, have, a good have a good week. Bye. Yep. See you. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review, and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com, where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.